Just before we get started, I have a couple announcements of my own that I want to uh, make to you. First um, of all, I want to let everyone know that uh, Sunday evening at 6 p.m. November 5th, we are going to be having a volunteer meeting. Uh, Anyone can come if you're interested in volunteering. However, if you are specifically interested in volunteering in Jacob's Ladder or the uh, um, Community Assistance Center, This meeting is definitely going to address things there. But if you're interested in other areas, please come anyway because there will be a lot of useful information and we'll be able to get you connected there. This is for you. I will apologize that we have, over the years, we've really tried to develop a system by getting people better connected. Uh, That has been somewhat challenging, but we're getting the hang of it. We'll get there. And so uh, Sunday evening, November 5th, 6 p.m., be about an hour long. And so we want you to come to be a part of that. Now, also, we want to uh, let you know about something very special. How many know you in the bulletin, you read Jeff Adams' articles in the bulletin? How many do that? You appreciate that, amen. We've had a lot of people come and say how much they appreciate that. Well, Jeff has put a book together. Now, he's got two other books out on his table out there, but he was just a contributor to those books. This book right here, he wrote the whole thing. This is his first book, and this is a a tremendous book, and I highly recommend this to anyone just because I know Jeff. I know what he stands for, and I know that these will truly be uh, encouraging words. It'll live up to its title. And so in light of that, what he's also doing is he's putting together a seminar on November 10th at 6 o'clock. And he'll be teaching from this book some of the stories he'll be sharing and then uh, other things that are on his heart. And so he'll want you to come to that. They're going to, the books will be available at that time for sale. They are actually uh, available now as far as pre-sales. You could pick up one of those uh, in the foyer. Actually, you could sign up to get one. They're not yet available. This is the only copy we have. Now, my question is, we want to do something a little special. Who would want this book right now if you're here right Valerie, I saw your hand go up first. So I'm going to give this back to Jeff. And uh, Jeff, you could take that over to Valerie and let her know about that. 
but uh, we want you to sign up for that. We want to celebrate those that are, are serving and ministering, and I'll tell you, Jeff has been working a long time at being an author. He's extremely good at it, and uh, we just want to celebrate what he's doing. So you can see the books that he has out in the foyer, and you can get, uh, get those or uh, sign up for one of them, and so mark that down. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me over to the book of Luke, the book of Luke, starting in chapter 10. I want to share a, a sermon that um, really is God's been putting on my heart. I had a, a little bit of an experience the other day that really stirred me. And when I get stirred like this and, and, and it kind of sets on me, I know that God is moving me in the direction. So I wanted to share this with you. The other day I was here at church and, and as I do, I pray and 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 just through the day and through actually several days, I just felt God really um, um, weighing in on me on this subject. And then what happened was uh, one day last week, we were in the office and uh, a gentleman in our church who comes and prays, he, he had spent some time in the sanctuary praying and I don't know, around 10 or 10.30 or so, he comes into my office and he says, you know, I was praying in the sanctuary, praying for you, and, and I think that God gave me a word. And lo and behold, the word that he spoke and the scriptures that he used were literally what God was speaking to me that day and, and, and prior days. And so when that kind of thing happens, I know that God has something in mind, and so I've, I've pushed into this, and, and this uh, weekend, I want to share with you what I believe God has laid on my heart because I believe it's that important of a subject. Uh, it's something that not only is God putting on me, but I believe that he's putting this on our church. So if you have your Bibles, turn over to Luke 10, starting in verse 38. It will be up on the board. And it says this, As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Mary was worried over the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her, come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are so upset over these details. There is really only one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has discovered it, and I won't take it away from her. Now, we need to hear this, this story. We need to find ourselves in this story. You know, it's interesting because people often come to me, and they, they, they will start a conversation with me like this. They'll say, I know you're busy, but... And it's almost as if they need to apologize for interrupting me. Now, I have to be honest with you, that bothers me a little bit because I don't want people to feel like they have to apologize when they're talking to me or when they want to call on me. I don't want to be one of those self-important people that, that, that equate busyness with worth. How many can relate to that? I, I don't want to be one of those people with that aura about them that says, can you see I'm busy? You, you ever met people like that? You know, you, you walk up to them and the, in their eyes, you can see it. It's like, you are bothering me. You know, it's, it's, I'm busy and I'm not busy with you. But the truth is, sometimes I get that way. You can just call me Martha. Okay. People are always asking me, are you busy? Well, of course I'm busy. I, it's, that's part of life. It's, life is busy. And I, I appreciate their sensitivity and I, I appreciate the question. Um, but it concerns me because what I fear is that people will think that I'm unavailable or that I am preoccupied. I'm worried and distracted about many things. But the truth is I am busy. So I guess you can call me Martha. Okay. Sometimes I... I, uh, I feel overwhelmed by all the things I need to do, the pressure to do it well. There are people to visit. There's phone calls to respond to. There's books I need to read. And there are sermons that have only half done because I just haven't had time enough to 
sit down and reflect. And sometimes I feel like I'm drowning in a sea of other people's demands and needs. Can you say amen? Amen. And if I get one more phone call of complaint, I think I'm going to run off and join the circus. (laughs) And of course... It's in those moments, it usually happens when I am the pressured the most, that I have somebody come up jokingly say, oh, you pastors only work one hour a week anyway, so what difference does it make? Uh-huh. I'm working right now, by the way. Now listen, the truth is I'm not whining. I know it sounds like I am. I'm not asking you to hesitate on calling on me. The truth is, if you walk into the office and you see my door open, you are absolutely welcome to come in. I have an open door policy. I want people to talk to me. I want to be available. I love what I do. I love being a pastor. And I love being your pastor. But what I'm saying is, sometimes I'm Martha. And so are you we got to catch this. So many of us these days are busy. We're worried. We're distracted about all the things that are going on in our lives. And I think what has happened is our lives have become too complicated for our own good. Are you hearing me? They've just gotten too complicated. And they've gotten so complicated that we end up failing to take the time we need with God. And the truth is that's a problem. That really is a problem. It's, it's not that we have too much to do. It's the fact that we default to what's crying out the loudest. The things that demand, that, that say they're urgent, but they really are not urgent. The things that say they're important, but ultimately in the end, they are not that important. And the truth is, we fail to understand what truly is important in our life. The context of our text has Martha opening up her home to Jesus and she's doing her best to be a good hostess. Mary, on the other hand, has opened up her heart to Jesus and is trying to do her best to love Jesus. Both of them are right. It's not a bad thing to serve. It's not a bad thing to be a hostess. It's not a bad thing to serve a meal To your guests, that's a good thing, but somewhere she gets lost in the details. She forgets what's truly important. And I think this is a very real and vivid picture of Christianity because too often we're more like Martha than we are Mary. In our zeal for life, we wind up ignoring the author of life. See, while Martha labored, Mary listened. And Mary found a place at the feet of Jesus. Now let me ask you a question. Have you ever met someone, an individual, that just seems to have God all over them? I mean, it seems like they possess a walk with the Lord that is head and shoulders above anything that you've ever experienced. And you wonder, how how did they accomplish this? How did they get there? I I think the answer is not so much what they've accomplished, as much as it is what they have discovered. It seems that they have learned how to abide at the feet of Jesus. And what they found translates into a peace that's incomprehensible, a power that's inexhaustible, and purpose that lasts for all of our life. They have found something at the feet of Jesus that transcends all the busyness of life. And I believe that's what Mary found. Now, it's interesting to me that Mary, this particular, several Marys in the Bible, but this particular Mary is the the sister of Martha and the sister of Lazarus. And she's mentioned three times in the Bible. And every time we see her in the Bible, we find her at the feet of Jesus. And I believe her experience teaches us some valuable lessons about our own walk with Jesus. And I want to take a few minutes of your time this morning, and I want to learn from Mary at the feet of Jesus. Can you say amen? 
See, I believe this morning that at the feet of Jesus, Mary found some very significant things. And the first thing that she found is at the feet of Jesus, we can forget all of our cares. Now, that's important because there's many of us here today that are burdened. There are many of us today that are carrying burdens that we were never meant to carry. We're carrying pressure and stress. How many know that stress is not a good thing? You you don't have to look very far in researching, and you'll find out that stress is probably the number one cause of all of the job-related sickness that pulls people away from jobs. Stress will cause physical problems. It will cause sickness. It causes relationships to break up. It causes families to be destroyed. Stress and pressure. And Christians are carrying it at epidemic levels. Can you say amen? But Mary, she found something at the feet of Jesus. She found that when we come into his presence, whether by prayer or whether by reading the Bible or through worship, the burdens of life tend to grow amazingly light. Listen to that. What you're carrying, I I don't know whether it's a problem with your job or your finances or your health or your family, your children, your in-laws or your outlaws or whatever it might be, whatever pressure is in your life, when you sit at the feet of Jesus, that pressure tends to get incredibly light, oftentimes irrelevant. I want you to listen to this. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, the Bible says this. I love it. You gotta, see, we have to pay attention to some words here. The Bible says, <clears throat> be anxious for nothing. Now, whenever God uses words, absolute words, like nothing and everything and always, he he means business, doesn't he? He says, be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious about the bills. Don't be anxious about the cat, the dog. Don't be anxious about the children. Don't be anxious about the leaky roof or the leaky pipes or the car that has bald tires. Don't be anxious about any of that stuff. What he says, but in everything, here's another absolute word, in everything by prayer and supplication. Now we need to pay attention because he's not just talking about a quaint little prayer that we may say at grace, but he uses this word supplication. Think of it this way, supper. What is supper? It's where we sit down with the family and over a meal we talk and we communicate. It's more about relationship than it is about eating. And so he says, through prayer and supplication, relationship, this encounter, this this connection with Jesus, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and will keep your minds through Christ Jesus. Now listen, you may not, when you pray and when you sup, with the Lord, you may not get the answer you want for your prayer, but you will always leave that moment with peace. Are you hearing me? It's guaranteed. He says, if you pray and you come in with supplication and you're anxious about nothing, he says, you can make your request known to him and the peace of God that surpasses understanding. In other words, it will not make sense. All the world will be falling apart around you, but yet you will be in perfect peace. And you'll go, I should be upset about this. And God goes, there's no reason to be. I'm in control. That doesn't make sense, does it? But that's what we find at the feet of Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, it says, Looking unto Jesus. Underline that in your Bible if you're taking notes. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, underline that, consider, look to him and consider him, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, unless you become weary and discouraged in your soul. The antidote to weariness and discouragement is to consider him looking unto Jesus, spending time at his feet. Consider him. 
Think about him. Meditate upon him. Talk to him. Be with him. Mary found at the feet of Jesus that she could forget about the cares of this life. She also found that she could feed her soul. It's no wonder so many Christians are weak and lacking in their spiritual vitality. is because they just never take time to come into his presence and feed on him. Oh, we, we believe in him, don't, for sure. We love him, for sure. But oftentimes what hap- happens is our busyness can become habitual. It's not that we're doing bad things. It's not that we're going out and being horrible sinners. It is simply we just haven't made time for him. My wife was away uh, uh, this last week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. She, was, she took 57th graders to Catalina Island. God bless her. Now, when she got on Catalina Island, where they went to the camp, they don't have very good cell service. So there was enough signal to get a, a, an occasional text through, but we couldn't talk on the phone. And so occasionally she would send me a little emoji with a kissy face or a heart or whatever, you know, and I would send, you know, thumbs up and a kissy face back and all of that. And you know what? That was great and and that was good, but it ain't enough. Can you imagine? It's like the wife comes to the husband and says, you never tell me you love me. Well, I sent you a kissy face the other day. I sent you that emoji, you know, the big lips. I was, I, stood, I blew a kiss to you. It ain't enough. I got to have a little bit more. And sometimes what happens in Chris, Christians' lives is we give this little kissy face to Jesus. It's like, oh, Jesus, I just remembered I got up this morning and I'm really busy. But I love you. I thank you for everything you've done for me. Goodbye. And we go. We're off. Or then we get into crisis and it's, oh, dear God, I'm in crisis. Please help me. But we've never spent any time at his feet. We've never spent any time there. And so we don't feed on him. We don't come into his presence. So the result is, is we're weak and lacking. And we're undone. Listen to Psalm 1611. The Bible says, you will show me the path of life. And in your presence is the fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You know, the Bible says this, the kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. One third of the kingdom is made up of joy. And God says this, in my presence is joy. Joy is not based on circumstance. Joy is not based on what's happening out there. Joy is something that rises up from the inside that permeates every cell, every fiber, every part of our being and allows us to be in a place where we can rejoice no matter what's going on. And God says that kind of thing in my presence will fill you. And he says, and just to boot, I'll make sure there's every pleasure forevermore. What kind of God do we serve? We serve a God that's madly in love with us and says, if you'll just come, if you'll just sit at my feet, you'll be filled. Then he goes on in Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 16, 27. He says, honor and majesty are before him. Strength and gladness are in his place. We're talking about the atmosphere that surrounds him. You can't help but be filled with those things when you're seated in that atmosphere. When you sit at the feet of Jesus, honor and majesty, strength and glory and gladness permeate your life at the feet of Jesus. Mary found that. She could feed Her soul, because in his presence, there is peace. In his presence, there is power. In his presence, there is healing. In his presence, there is life everlasting. In fact, everything that we need for life is in his presence. Mary found that in his presence, she was able to focus her priorities. When we look back at the scene in Martha's house, We can tell what priorities each sister had, can't we? We can look in and we can see where their priorities are. Martha 
was concerned with preparing the meal and serving her guests. And like I say, that wasn't a bad thing. It was okay. It was a good thing. But Mary was more concerned with being in the presence of Jesus, and that is a better thing. See, those things will wait. We will have, in due time, we'll have that moment. We'll have those opportunities to do that. And we will do them much better when we have taken the time to be in the better thing. Are you hearing me? See, often the level of our spirituality is directly related to the time that we are willing to spend in his presence. I was listening to a a lady preach. Uh, She has a ministry. Her name is Heidi Baker. She has a ministry in Mozambique. And she does just outrageous, outrageous things. uh, Healings, blind eyes open, dead raised. I mean, just outrageous things. She runs orphanages and and just the salvations. And she was talking one day, and she was talking about her time with the Lord. And she says, oftentimes there are so many demands on her that it's very hard to find a quiet place to go. So she learned how to scuba dive. (laughs) So it's really hard to talk underwater. So she would go and she would scuba dive, and she would spend time alone there. And she found that after a while, she was ending up... Spending in the morning several hours scuba diving. Just going around looking at the thing and talking to the Lord. And she started getting worried. She said, Lord, I have so much to do. But what she discovered, the more time she spent with Jesus, the more she was able to accomplish when she came back out of the water. Why? Because we're full, we're fed. It's miraculous, it's supernatural. See, when everything in our life takes precedence over being with the Lord, something's wrong. Jesus dealt with this in Revelations chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Listen, you remember Jesus is giving John the revelation, and he tells John, write this down. I want you to write this. I want you to write certain things to certain churches. And he says, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, write this. These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. He says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you have uh, persevered and have had patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, he says, I have this against you. You have left your first love. So when we look at that, we take that language and we begin to understand that what Jesus is saying to this church is he said, man, you guys are doing a great job. You represent me well and you have not become weary in doing it. You serve well and you make a stand well and you represent the gospel well. But there is a really big glaring problem and that problem is you have left your first love. He says, I have become second to your service. In other words, you've got so busy serving me, you forgot about me. How easy that is to happen in our lives. I have pushed people out of the way so I could go serve people. What? I'll say it again. I have, get out of my way, I'm serving people right now. If it wasn't for all these people, I could serve people. Come on. I I have passed by people in need to go preach my Good Samaritan sermon. Uh, You're catching it. You're you're keeping up with me. I'm going to just go serve the Lord, but have no time with him. I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what God wants me to do, but we spend no time at his feet. That, that, that really happens, church. That's happening. That, that's, you say, why, why are you saying this? Because God's calling us to be at his feet. You know, for years I, I was worried, I, 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 you know, building the church. My heart, I, I, you know, listen, my, my, I've been accused of so many things, but I can tell you what my heart is. 
My heart is that Praise Chapel would be this wonderful place where people can find the love and grace and the goodness of God, where they could come in and find hope and, and experience transformation, where their wrecked, ruined lives can become whole again. That's what my heart is at Praise Chapel. And, and across the board, whether you're zero years old or whether you're 95 years old, it don't matter. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I want you to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. And I have gotten so burdened down at building that work that I actually started hindering that work. See, what do you mean? God, God brought to my attention a psalm, Psalm 127. And he says this, it begins, it says, Except the Lord build the house, they that labor, labor in vain. See, this isn't, you know, I told you the other day, I said, we got to stop looking at this as being my church or your it's our church, but the truth is, it's his church. That's, that's closer. This is his church, and we are a part of his church. In fact, this is his body, and we have a part in his body, and we have to be in tune with the head in order to be a part of the body. And, and I don't understand how all the metaphors fit together, but I understand that there's something at the feet of Jesus that we learn. And one of the things that we learn is to realign our priorities. See, the more time we spend at his feet, the easier it is to make it a priority in our life. The larger he gets in our eyes, the smaller this life becomes. The things of this life, things that we can't change anyway. The things that seem to scream demanding our time become irrelevant because he's got it under control. He's got it well within his hand. Mary found at the feet of Jesus true security. Think about this for a moment. Sitting at Jesus' feet, Mary found fulfillment and contentment. And what she found was more than all the money in the world. She found something that millions upon millions upon millions of people are looking for every day. She discovered true security. She found acceptance. She was accepted for who she was. Just as you are. She found true contentment. She found security. You know, so, much, so many of us are struggling for identity and we're struggling for worth. We're struggling to have some sort of dignity in place. We're struggling to be more than a number, more than a random face. Do you understand? Listen, do you understand that you can have a private audience with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? That you could go into his throne room and sit down at his feet and have him pour himself over you? Man, that's security. That's precious. Do you know he calls you son and daughter? He says, you are mine. It's at his feet that we discover who we really are in him. Who he created us to be. It's at his feet that we find that contentment. The very thing that we look for, the, the hole that we're trying to fill in our heart is filled at his feet. We walk away from that with this purpose and this identity. We walk away where all shame and guilt is wiped away. No longer do we have to carry this burden of sin, but it's removed from us at his feet. At his feet, he comes and he touches our lives in a way that we can never experience any other way. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus is speaking. He says, come to me. All you who labor are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I think the cry of this generation is rest. We are so busy doing nothing that we're tired and worn out. The demands of life that in the end will have no meaning, that will not follow us into eternity, that are wearing us, robbing us of precious resource, time, and energy. And life, 
and we're worn out by it. And Jesus says, come to me, all you who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. She learned that at the feet of Jesus. She came to him. Martha was concerned about dinner. Trust me, dinner can wait. Trust me, dinner can wait. Might do us well to miss a few dinners. But what we gain at his feet. I imagine if we could learn the value of spending time at his feet, I imagine that 90% of the counseling that goes on in America would be unnecessary if we just spend time at his feet. There was another place that we find Mary at Jesus' feet, and this is amazing to me. This, 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 is, this is what makes studying the Bible for me worth it. In John chapter 11, verse 32, it says, Then Mary came where Jesus was and saw him. She fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, this is the story of Lazarus. We know that, and it's a strange story, to say the least. It begins in John chapter 11, verse 1, and we find Lazarus, who is sick to the point of death, and his sisters, Martha and Mary, call for Jesus, who is literally just a short distance away. Call for him and say, come, will you pray for him? Will you heal him? Will you restore him? But oddly enough, Jesus seems moved, unmoved by it all. There's a verse in the Bible that says Lazarus was somebody that Jesus loved. But when he gets this, the news of Lazarus being sick unto death, it seems like he's unmoved. He goes, ah, we'll wait a couple days. And he doesn't respond for two days. In fact, he looks at his disciples and says, ah, he's just sleeping. It's like, what? You ever had that happen? You ever, you ever had God just tell you something? It's like, what? Are you nuts, God? Are you, are you, hey, you know, are you home? Jesus says, oh, we got plenty of time. Let's just, we're, we're doing some stuff here. We'll go take care of him later. He's just sleeping. And when he finally got there, Martha was the first to confront Jesus. She runs up and confronts him. And then Mary, short time later, comes. And both of them say the same thing to Jesus. If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Now, here's where it gets interesting to me. Because when you read it, and you read it in its context, and you listen, and you watch what's happening, Martha's encounter with Jesus seemed to be confrontational. It seems like she's accusing him. Yet when Mary comes, the first thing she does is fall at his feet, which is a sign of surrender and worship. Both came with the same concern. Both said the same thing. Both wanted the same thing, but only one found their place at his feet. And it is my belief this morning that at the feet of Jesus is where we find the miraculous. The Bible says that when Mary came, fell at his feet, and she said, made the statement, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's, it, it's stated that Jesus wept. He cried, and there's a lot of things that commentators say the reason why he cried. But could it have been that what happened is he was moved by this moment? She had been there before. She had been at his feet before she had a relationship martha was an accusation martha was holding god on trial mary was crying out from her heart that had been birthed at the feet of jesus same statement much different result do you see that it's an amazing thing to me is that at the feet of Jesus is where we're introduced to the supernatural and the miraculous it's there that it's birthed inside of us and we become those dispensers of his power and of his glory in the world around us. She comes to him, falls at his feet. 
and he's moved. Some say maybe he was moved and by the loss of his friend. Some others say that he was crying because they couldn't seem to trust him. But the one thing we know is that Mary had experience at the feet of Jesus. And she found the power. Listen, when you're at the feet of Jesus, this is what you discover. It doesn't matter what's happening in my life. God's not done. Lazarus may be dead, but Jesus is on his way. The bill might go unpaid, but God has more than enough. My kids might not be saved, but God loves them more than me. Are you catching that? And it's at the feet of Jesus where that heart of miraculous, that the impossible, it's, it's at the feet of Jesus that we begin to believe that. With God, all things are possible. Are you hearing me? The final place that we see Mary at the feet of Jesus is when she came to worship him. In John chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, the Bible says this, Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was who had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. She didn't get it, did she? Because <laughs> the Bible, it, here, I, I'm reading New King James. Martha served, comma, that means pause. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. In other words, Lazarus got it. He said, man, this dude changed my life. Forget about dinner. Let's talk to him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Many commentators believe that Mary is so overcome with her love for Jesus and raising Lazarus from the dead that she's willing to pay whatever is necessary to worship him. And it was in that moment that Mary learned that we make our greatest sacrifice of love for him at his feet. See, Mary poured out a box of anointment on Jesus. She poured out perfume. And it was equivalent to one year's wage. We don't really know what that is. It's just as, probably was just as varied back then as it is now. But suffice to say, it was worth one year of Mary's wages. And she was willing to give up the treasure because of her love for Jesus. Mary gave her absolute best at the feet of Jesus. I want you to think about this for a moment. This is a pretty important, powerful thing because so many times we hold back We hold back because of criticism or some sort of false idea of stewardship or, you know, we hold back. Well, what if, what if they take my money and they use it wrong? You didn't give it to the church. You gave it to Jesus. I have people all the time say, I gave you money. You didn't give me nothing. You gave Jesus something at the feet of Jesus. So, well, what, what if you do something wrong with it? Well, then I'll be accountable to God. The little widow woman comes into the treasury, and there's these, all these rich people, and they're giving big bags of gold into the offering. And a little widow woman comes in, and with two pennies, she drops it into the offering, and Jesus stops And he says, this woman has given more than everyone because she gave all that she had. And the amazing thing is she gave into a completely corrupt system. But God blessed her anyway. Because it's not about the system. It's about the heart. It's about at the feet of Jesus. I love you. I want to give my best to you. People often ask why we don't have like rummage sales and bazaars and stuff like that to raise money because oftentimes it's really a dump run 
toaster with no cord. God, give it to the church. They'll sell it and make money on it. (laughs) A bicycle with no chain or no front wheel. (laughs) We're going to clean our garage. Hey, Pastor, do you want all this treasure? I know I'm picking on human nature a little bit. See, the thing that you got to realize, it's not about me. It's not about the church. It's about you and Jesus. Is he worth it? Because it's at his feet that we learn to make our greatest sacrifice. It's there that we say, you know what? Father, all that I am and all that I have is yours. I remember Pastor Howard used to say back in the early days, it was easy to make that statement. He said, it was easy to give God everything I had because I had nothing. So it was easy, God, I'll give you twice what I have. I didn't have anything. And then when he finally started getting some things, it's like, whoa, 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 hang on. Back up. Are we sure we want to do that? We're going to give all of that? Many people treat the Lord like this young man who called his girlfriend and said, I love you with all of my heart. I would climb the highest mountain for you. And I would swim the deepest sea. I would fight a jungle of lions for you. So if it doesn't rain, I'll see you tonight. We sing songs like, I give you my all, God, as long as we don't have to write the check. He said, what are you picking on? Look it, I'm not going to take an offering. I'm not asking you for money. I'm asking you to come to the feet of Jesus. I'm asking you that you give your life there. Because if you'll give your life there, everything else works itself out. It's at the feet of Jesus where we learn to give up self. The amazing thing about this story is that Mary really does take on the role of a slave. In fact, the Bible tells us that she had in public her hair down. And in that culture, that that was akin to being an immoral woman. But she didn't care what she looked like. She wasn't worried about the people around her judging her or commenting on her style of worship. She was passionately in love with Jesus and at his feet. It didn't matter because all that mattered was her and Jesus. They, they, they were coming against her. They were going, oh my goodness, man, you, you blew it. What, what are you doing? Do you realize what you just did? Put that hair back up. Don't, stop. Don't, don't do that. And finally, Jesus stops them. He stops them. And he says, what she's done here is going to stand as a memorial for her. For eternity. Now, 2,000 years later, we're still talking about it. Why? Because she learned to give up self. It wasn't about her. It was about him. And when we worship at the feet of Jesus, when we spend time there, we learn to draw a line in the sand. See, listen. When you spend time at the feet of Jesus, people will know it. Amen. The Bible says this in Acts 4.13. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled because they realized they had been with Jesus. See, when you're with Jesus, somehow it marks you. There, there is, a, there is a, a, an aura, there, there is a an atmosphere, there's a dynamic about you when when you've been with Jesus. By the way, when you're not with Jesus, that's clear too. Church, I believe what God's doing is asking us, are we taking time to sit at his feet? We can get so busy. Trust me, I know. I'm the, look up busy in the dictionary and you'll see my picture next to it. 
I get it. And generally, I'm telling you, generally, I'm busy with things that just don't matter in the end. They end up taking care of themselves. And in the midst of my busyness, I, I find myself away from him. Now, let me say this as I bring this to a close. When I started adjusting this in my life, it did not come easy. He said, why? Because it's a habit. Being busy and, and setting God aside becomes a habit. It becomes a lifestyle. And we convince ourselves that I just don't have the time for all of this right now. I'd, God, I'd really like to spend time with you, but I'm really inundated. What you have to do is, one, you have to be determined. You have to make a decision that says, I'm doing this. Then you're going to have to go into a place, find a place where you could shut out the distraction. That's why when he said, go into your prayer closet, prayer closet, prayer garage, prayer car, prayer outdoors, wherever it is, but get away so that you could be alone with him. John Wesley tells the story about Mama Wesley who would sit on her bed and take her blankets and put them up over her. And her seven children knew when Mama was under the blanket, she was talking with Jesus, leave her alone. Sometimes we have to do it, and at first it'll seem awkward. It, 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 it'll feel, you'll, you'll feel, the, you'll feel the, the silence. You'll feel the downtime. You'll feel the, this thing inside of you saying, do something. <clears throat> Just write it down. You, let me tell you, what happen, does happen, you can create really good lists of all the things you need to do because your mind will tell you everything you've got to do in that moment. So write that list down and then go back to, say, Jesus, here I am, I'm with you. But concentrate on him. Spend time there. And the more you do that, the more you'll crave it. The more you'll say, I need that. Don't interrupt me because I need Jesus. And you'll find that your life, much of what you consider to be crisis and problem, will simply fade into the woodwork because it really isn't anyway. Do you hear what I'm saying? This is such a powerful, powerful truth that we need to get a hold of. Spending time at the feet of Jesus. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the time that we've had today. We thank you, Lord, that you have <clears throat> given us this revelation. We ask, Lord, today that <coughs> you would engraft it into our hearts. Father, that we would make a lifestyle change with it, that we would have a hunger to be at your feet. I pray for everyone here today, Lord, that they would have a passion, a hunger to spend time with you. Father, I pray. I, I look forward to the testimony of and the stories of what people receive from you at your feet. Father, I know this is your word to us today. I pray, seal it. Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd wash over us, sealing this word today. Help us with it, Father. And we give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, church, God's a good God, isn't he?